Good evening. You are again listening to Somnocat Bedtime Stories. I'm your host, Somnocat. Not sure if you heard about the Neowise comet being present to be sighted by us, Earthlings. It's only visible on Earth every 6,800 years, truly a once-in-a-lifetime spectacle. If you miss it, you will never see it again in your lifetime. Well. This lifetime, at least, it was closest to Earth on July 3rd, and I was about a month late to make the attempt to see it. I went to a national park with my friends to catch it on August 1st, before it's entirely invisible. But unfortunately, a wildfire took place near the park that day. The whole sky was covered by smokes, and it was raining ashes in the area. We saw nothing but a red moon. I missed my once-in-a-lifetime chance to meet Neowise. There you have it—a little sad story of me. Before we begin our stories today, now let's move on to the stories. Businessman. This man was so much occupied that he did not even raise his head at the little prince's arrival. "Good morning," the little prince said to him. "Your cigarette has gone out. Three and two make five. Five and seven make twelve. Twelve and three make fifteen. Good morning. Fifteen and seven make twenty-two." Twenty-two and six make twenty-eight. I haven't time to light it again. Twenty-six and five make thirty-one. Phew! Then that makes five hundred and one million six hundred twenty-two thousand seven hundred thirty-one. Five hundred million? What? Asked the little prince. Hey, are you still there? Five hundred and one million. I can't stop. I have so much to do. I'm concerned with matters of consequence. I don't amuse myself with balderdash. Two and five make seven. Five hundred and one million. What? Repeated the little prince, who never in his life had let go of a question once he had asked it. The businessman raised his head. During the fifty-four years that I have inhabited this planet, I have been disturbed only three times. The first time was twenty-two years ago, when some giddy goose fell from goodness knows where. He made the most frightful noise that resounded all over the place, and I made four mistakes in my addition. The second time. Eleven years ago, I was disturbed by an attack of rheumatism. I don't get enough exercise. I have no time for loafing. The third time, well, this is it. I was saying, then, five hundred and one millions, millions of what? 
the businessman suddenly realized that there was no hope of being left in peace until he answered this question. Millions of those little objects, he said, which one sometimes sees in the sky. Flies? Oh no, little glittering objects. Bees? Oh no, little golden objects that set lazy men to idle dreaming. As for me, I'm concerned with matters of consequence. There is no time for idle dreaming in my life. Ah, you mean the stars? Yes, that's it, the stars. And what do you do with five hundred millions of stars? Five hundred and one million six hundred twenty-two thousand seven hundred thirty-one. I am concerned with matters of consequence. I am accurate. And what do you do with these stars? What do I do with them? Yes, nothing. I own them. You own the stars. Yes, but I have already seen a king who kings do not own. They reign over. It is a very different matter. And. What good does it do you to own the stars? It does me the good of making me rich. And what good does it do you to be rich? It makes it possible for me to buy more stars, if any are ever discovered. This man, the little prince, said to himself, reasons a little like my poor Tipler. Nevertheless, he still had some more questions. How is it possible for one to own the stars? To whom do they belong? The businessman retorted, peevishly. I don't know. To nobody. Then they belong to me, because I was the first person to think of it. Is that all that is necessary? Certainly. When you find a diamond that belongs to nobody, it is yours. When you discover an island that belongs to nobody, it is yours. When you get an idea before anyone else, you take out a patent on it. It is yours. So with me, I own the stars because nobody else before me ever thought of owning them. Yes, that is true," said the little prince. "And what do you do with them? I administer them." Replied the businessman, "I count them and recount them. It is difficult, but I am a man who is naturally interested in matters of consequence." The little prince was still not satisfied. "If I owned a silk scarf," he said, "I could put it around my neck and take it away with me. If I owned a flower, I could pluck that flower and take it away with me." But you cannot pluck the stars from heaven. No, but I can put them in the bank. Whatever does that mean? That means that I write the number of my stars on little paper, and then I put this paper in a drawer that lock it with a key. And that is all. That is enough," said 
the businessman. It is entertaining, thought the little prince. It is rather poetic, but it is of no great consequence. On matters of consequence, the little prince had ideas which were very different from those of the grown-ups. I myself own a flower. He continued his conversation with the businessman, which I water every day. I own three volcanoes, which I clean out every week, for I also clean out the one that is extinct. One never knows. It is of some use to my volcanoes, and it is of some use to my flower, that I own them. But you are of no use to the stars. The businessman opened his mouth, but he found nothing to say in answer, and the little prince went away. The grown-ups are certainly altogether extraordinary, he said simply, talking to himself as he continued on his journey. Chapter Fourteen. The fifth planet was very strange. It was the smallest of all. There was just enough room on it for a street lamp and a lamp lighter. The little prince was not able to reach any explanation of the use of a street lamp and a lamp lighter. Somewhere in the heavens, on a planet. Which had no people, and not one house. But he said to himself, nevertheless, it may well be that this man is absurd. But he is not so absurd as the king, the conceited man, the businessman, and the tippler. For at least his work has some meaning. When he lights his street lamp. It is as if he brought one more star to life, or one flower. When he puts out his lamp, he sends the flower, or the star, to sleep. That is a beautiful occupation, and since it is beautiful, it is truly useful. When he arrived on the planet, he respectfully saluted the lamplighter. Good morning. Why have you just put out your lamp? Those are the orders," replied the lamplighter. "Good morning. What are the orders? The orders are that I put out my lamp. Good evening. And he lighted his lamp again. But why have you just lighted it again? Those are the orders. Replied the lamplighter, "I do not understand," said the little prince. "There is nothing to understand," said the lamplighter. "Orders are orders." Good morning. And he put out his lamp. Then he mopped his forehead with a handkerchief decorated with red squares. I follow a terrible profession. In the old days, it was reasonable. I put the lamp out in the morning, and in the evening, I lighted it again. I had the rest of the day for relaxation 
and the rest of the night for sleep. And the orders have been changed since that time. The orders have not been changed," said the lamplighter. "That is the tragedy. From year to year, the planet has turned more rapidly, and the orders have not been changed. Then what?" asked the little prince. Then. The planet now makes a complete turn every minute, and I no longer have a single second for repose. Once every minute, I have to light my lamp and put it out. That is very funny. A day lasts only one minute. Here, where you live, it is not funny at all," said the lamplighter. While we have been talking together, a month has gone by. A month? Yes, a month. Thirty minutes, thirty days. Good evening. And he lighted his lamp again. As the little prince watched him, he felt that he loved this lamplighter, who was so faithful to his orders. He remembered the sunsets, which he himself. Had gone to seek in other days, merely by pulling up his chair, and he wanted to help his friend. You know, he said, I can tell you a way you can rest whenever you want to. I always want to rest, said the lamplighter. For it is possible for a man to be faithful and lazy at the same time. The little prince went on with his explanation. Your planet is so small that three strides will take you all the way around it. To be always in the sunshine, you need only walk along rather slowly. When you want to rest, you will walk, and the day will last as long as you like. That doesn't do me much good," said the lamplighter. The one thing I love in life is to sleep. Then you are unlucky," said the little prince. "I am unlucky," said the lamplighter. "Good morning," and he put out his lamp. "That man," said the little prince to himself, as he continued farther on his journey. That man would be scorned by all the others, by the king, by the conceited men, by the tippler, by the businessmen. Nevertheless, he is the only one of them, all who does not seem to me ridiculous. Perhaps that is because he is thinking of something else besides himself. He breathed a sigh of regret, and said to himself. Again, that man is the only one of them, all whom I could have made my friend. But his planet is indeed too small; there is no room on it for two people. What the little prince did not dare confess was that he was sorry most of all to leave this planet, because it was blessed every day. With one thousand four hundred forty sunsets.
Chapter Fifteen. The sixth planet was ten times larger than the last one. It was inhabited by an old gentleman who wrote voluminous books. Oh, look! Here is an explorer. He exclaimed to himself when he saw the little prince coming. The little prince sat down on the table and panted a little. He had already traveled so much and so far. Where do you come from? The old gentleman said to him. What is that big book? Said the little prince. What are you doing? I am a geographer. The old gentleman said to him. What is a geographer? Asked the little prince. A geographer. Is a scholar who knows the location of all the seas, rivers, towns, mountains, and deserts. That is very interesting," said the little prince. "Here at last is a man who has a real profession." And he cast a look around him, at the planet of the geographer. It was the most magnificent, and stately planet. That he had ever seen. Your planet is very beautiful," he said. "Has it any oceans?" "I couldn't tell you," said the geographer. "Ah," the little prince was disappointed. "Has it any mountains?" "I couldn't tell you," said the geographer. "And towns, rivers." And deserts, I couldn't tell you that either. But you are a geographer, exactly, the geographer said. But I'm not an explorer. I haven't a single explorer on my planet. It is not the geographer who goes out to count the towns, the rivers, the mountains, the seas, the oceans, and the deserts. The geographer is much too important to go loafing about. He does not leave his desk, but he receives the explorers in his study. He asks them questions, and he notes down what they recall of their travels. And if the recollections of any one among them seem interesting to him, the geographer orders an inquiry into that explorer's. Moral character. Why is that? Because an explorer who told lies would bring disaster on the books of the geographer. So would an explorer who drank too much. Why is that? Asked the little prince. Because intoxicated men see double. Then the geographer would note down two mountains. In a place where there was only one. I know someone," said the little prince, "who would make a bad explorer. That is possible. Then, when the moral character of the explorer is shown to be good, an inquiry is ordered into his discovery. One goes to see it. No, that would be too complicated. But one requires the explorer. 
to furnish proofs. For example, if the discovery in question is that of a large mountain, one requires the large stones be brought back from it. The geographer was suddenly stirred to excitement. But you, you come from far away. You are an explorer. You shall describe your planet to me. And, having opened his big register, the geographer sharpened his pencil. The recitals of explorers are put down first in pencil. The recitals of explorers are put down first in pencil. One waits until the explorer has furnished proofs, before putting them down in ink. Well, said the geographer expectantly. Oh, where I live, said the little prince. It is not very interesting. It is all so small. I have three volcanoes. Two volcanoes are active, and the other is extinct. But one never knows. One never knows," said the geographer. "I have also a flower. We do not record flowers," said the geographer. "Why is that? The flower is the most beautiful thing on my planet." "We do not record them," said the geographer, "because they are ephemeral." "What does that mean, ephemeral?" Geographies," said the geographer, "are the books which, of all books, are most concerned with matters of consequence. They never become old-fashioned. It is very rarely that a mountain changes its position. It is very rarely that an ocean empties itself of its waters. We write of eternal things." But extinct volcanoes may come to life again," the little prince interrupted. "What does that mean, ephemeral? Whether volcanoes are extinct or alive, it comes to the same thing for us," said the geographer. "The thing that matters to us is the mountain; it does not change. But what does that mean, ephemeral?" Repeated the little prince, who never in his life had let go of a question, once he had asked it. It means, which is in danger of speedy disappearance. Is my flower in danger of speedy disappearance? Certainly it is. My flower is ephemeral. The little prince said to himself. And she has only four thorns to defend herself against the world. And I have left her on my planet all alone. That was his first moment of regret, but he took courage once more. What place would you advise me to visit now? He asked. The planet Earth, replied the geographer. It has a good reputation. And the little prince went away, thinking of his flower. 
that concludes tonight. I will have a good night's sleep. So will you. Good night. 晚安，周头。